Come on, Houdini. Get him up, baby. Give me a little clap. Give me something. A little golf clap from Houdini. Chuck Walter and Houdini with you. It is episode number two of the Chatter since the rebirth and since Chatterbox Sports brought us to their platform. And we went out and did it big. Our biggest guest prior had been Tommy Thrall, who at the time was the double-A voice of Pensacola, now the uh, radio voice of the Cincinnati Reds, who replaced Marty Brenneman. He was a big get. But how about this one, Houdini? Sean Salisbury joins the show. We talk Happy Madison. His days is a, uh, a training Adam Sandler in the longest yard. We talked a lot about Sandler in general. I pitched him a movie, which he really liked, and he says he's giving it to Sandler and, and just a whole bunch of other stuff that we'll get into. But how are you doing today, my guy? No, I'm not too bad. It's a uh, <clears throat> it's a Monday, so, you know, as, as good as you can be. But we're hanging in there, you know, with the big get of Salisbury. I'm feeling a little bit better about today. So let's just keep the train rolling. You texted me right after it. And you're like, I think Salisbury thinks our podcast is a lot bigger than it actually is, but that's to each their own. Yeah. I mean, he never asked for specific numbers, but I, I think he thinks we're in the top 150. I think he thinks we're still behind gun talk. He must've listened to us way back in the day. No doubt about it. And we'll be back there. But the only way to get back there is to ask for your help right now. We have just joined the Spotify platform. We only have like seven five-star reviews. Go on there right now and just toss it a quick five-star. What's it going to hurt you? It, it's simple. We need to feed our families. We need the subscribers up. Apple, I'm t- I'll tell you what, we're doing great on Apple. And you can add the comments there. And uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. Just rate and subscribe. Don't be, don't be dirty. Do not be disgusting. Do not be deceitful. Get your phone out. Give us a five star. Maybe leave a comment, especially on Spotify. Like, like I said, we look like a bunch of jackasses on Spotify with about seven reviews. Hey, we'll get there. Uh, let's start off with some bad news on a on a uh, Tuesday. Recording this on a Monday. Joseph Asai, Cincinnati Bengals, doubtful for Week One against the Cleveland Browns on September 10th. Asai was a machine in that last game, AFC Championship game against Kansas City last year. Before, obviously. Touched Patrick Mahomes, and I know it was a, it wasn't a dirty play there, but it was um, it was the difference in that game. So tough way for Joseph Asai to end last year, and a, a tough way to start it by potentially missing this game against the Browns. But hey, man, Bengals are only one and a half point favorites entering uh, entering that Week One matchup against the Brownies. What do you think about the Bengals this year? Are they reaching the over under on the ten and a half wins? Well, I mean, we, we got to figure out what, what the deal is with Burrow, right? I mean, th- that's kind of the I'll biggest question. And, and all right, inside info from Chuck, uh, the big broadcast guy, I get it. So we'll roll with that, that he's going to be fine. He's missing preseason again. I know he started a little rusty last year, but I don't know. I do this every year. I look at the – I got the schedule pulled up, and I'm just going down, and I'm just – mentally I go, I don't see a single chance that we lose a game. Maybe Buffalo, but we own Buffalo. I, I really think the 10.5 is low, and I know that's a biased opinion, but I would be surprised unless Burrow is dealing with his injury and it's lingering and he, he doesn't play for a couple of games, then I could see going under. But other than that, this team's won at 13 games easy. Top to bottom, this roster's loaded, man. We're talking about who's going to make the 53-man, and there are some names that I'm like, I really like Travion. I, I really like Travion. He's going to make the team, surely. There may not be spots for everyone with how good this team is. Um, I think it was three, four days ago. We're trying to lock down a, a consistent schedule of when we should get this podcast out to the world. And I said, hey, Sunday night, it'll be perfect. We'll we'll watch football all day and then we'll reconvene at nine o'clock and have a great show. And you said, hold up, buddy. Hold up. Sundays are for the Bengals, not for the Chuckster. I mean, with the way you put it, you said, but do you drink on Sundays? And I said, yes, I drink on Sundays. We're, we're watching Joe Burrow play every Sunday and it's a joy to watch. Maybe in the, you know, the two and 14 era, Sure, I would honestly take a nap through the second half. That'd be fine. I'm getting after it. We're doing who day punch. Um, we're having the people over. We could always sometimes though, even if we were to do a podcast, you might get some of the best content after about 12 cores lights. So it's a give and take scenario, but no, a Sunday night podcast, you know for a damn fact yourself. One of those multiple of those weekends, you would text me and say, "Hey, maybe we'll push this back." So to to lie to the people and say we'd be getting something out Monday morning, let's not do it. Let's not go down that road. What goes in the Hootay punch? What, what does that consist of? 
Uh, well, yeah, it's a, it's a merit special. He puts together, it's, it's really whatever he can find, but it's typically going to be a sun-kissed, some type of an orange vodka, um, and then maybe just a hint of, of Miller Lite in there. I'm not sure. I've never seen him make it. It's a proprietary, apparently, of what he puts in there, but uh, it gets the job done. Speaking of our guy, Merritt, a uh, friend of the program, Ken Merritt, I texted him today and I said, hey, uh, is this you on Instagram reaching out to me to be a, a brand ambassador? Or And he said, no, I haven't been on Instagram in about four years. So another good one has been taken down. The scammers on social media are out of control. They got our another friend of the program, AJ. They got him on LinkedIn. He's trying to sell used underwear from his parents' basement. And uh, it's just, it's a it's a sad story all around, man. The, uh, the, the scammers, they're getting everyone right now. Oh, absolutely. Have you see, you got to see uh, telemarketers on HBO that just dropped. It's, it's a great documentary. There's um, they show kind of the inside view of some of these telemarketer agencies where they call and say, Hey, I'm working for the state of Ohio fire department and we need your support. And turns out the whole thing is a fraud. It is. It's amazing. Everybody is like a convicted felon that works there. They're boozing smoking crack at the uh literally at the office it's amazing watch you got to see it and they try to expose the industry but um yeah scammers they're everywhere call your mom call your dad whoever you got to call right now and tell them when they send you something don't click the link my mom's addicted to clicking the links she's like hudson i, I saw that you ordered a new iphone to my house i'm like no no i did it she's like what do you mean i just clicked the link I go, okay, well, your social security number is now gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, no, so yeah, it's, it's tough. And Merritt's, yeah, Merritt's got the Bitcoin miner guy that uh, hacked him that is reaching out to everybody. And the funny thing is some people think it's real. They're texting me going, hey, I didn't know Merritt got so into Bitcoin mining, man. He's trying to ask me to join his team for $5,000. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's insanity what some people believe. My uh, my father-in-law, Keith, this is actually going to be a sitcom someday that I'm writing. Maybe I'll pitch this one to Sean Salisbury next time we have him on. But Keith and Adon, Adon is, is the man's name. And my wife, Kylan, actually, when she was in college, he was like a pen pal. He, he had been locked away for like 25 years and was Kylan's pen pal. And after Kylan graduated and we got married or whatnot, Keith um, just remained in touch with the guy, Adon. And, and one day Adon got out and Keith kind of picked him up and took him under his wing. Nice guy. I've met him. My dog, Benny loves Adon, but, uh, he made some mistakes when he was on drugs in his younger years and is deserving a second chance, but he just has no idea how the real world works. So when the first person from Africa reached out to him and said, Hey, I would like to be your wife, pay me $500 so I can come to the city. Obviously, he was like, hell yeah, Keith, this is yeah. life has changed so much. Yeah. 500 bucks. I get a brand new wife. She's smoking hot. So yeah, you got to watch out, man. You got to watch out. If you're listening to this podcast, it's what we do. We care about the people. It's the people first. And in this situation, if anyone is reaching out to you with anything remotely dicey on email, if you want a $50 dicks gift card, guess what? You didn't win the dicks gift card. They're just trying to turn you into Bitcoin miner. All right, our guest today is Sean Salisbury, host on Sports Talk 790 in Houston, president of Pro Sports Fans. I, I produced his show for 95.7 The Game with Lorenzo Neal, The Football Hour. He's been in the movie The Benchwarmer. He's uh, coached up Adam Sandler on how to play football in the longest yard. One of the most interesting men in America has joined the Chatter Podcast today. Is that is that a fair enough introduction for you, Sean Salisbury? Maybe in my own mind, fellas, but I don't know if I don't know if other people would put it. But let's you know what? Let's brand it that way, and I'll take it any way you want to put it out there for me. But I'm honored. Thank you. We'll have some laughs, and I appreciate you. And you did a great job on us on our Monday Night Football show with Low Neal, and you made it easy, man. That's easy stuff to do when you got great producers and most underrated part of any radio television great show podcast are the guys that put it all together and i don't ever take it for granted so thank you and it's great to have you guys on talking so interesting my my, my own kids would laugh at you say my pops ain't interesting at all so but 
I'll try to fool them and, and give you all the entertainment I can while I'm on here, man. Are we allowed to cuss on this show? Is that okay? You're allowed to say whatever the fuck you want, Sean. You there can you say whatever you want. This is, uh, we have no bosses. No one can tell us to say anything otherwise. It's just Houdini, myself, and uh, you today. But let's let's start with the comedy realm. And I, I did want to just r- respond to that comment about the uh, the producers and everything. I think I showed up. 25 minutes before your show low neil every single time was about five it was an hour-long show and low is typically five minutes late to every show so sean would be stretching at the beginning low will be on in just a minute but uh really appreciate you hopping on with us today um well let's let's start it off with, with comedy man because that's where this podcast intersects sports comedy lifestyle and you clearly are a big fan of comedy having worked at uh comedy central to start your broadcasting career it looks like yeah you know what was guys i still it's weird you know things that you you when you're growing up as a football player right what's the one thing you want to do you want to go on david letterman and have him say you're the super bowl mvp right and to get on the you know the late night show hey super bowl mvp or the today show and then when you're in the broadcast career you want a sports broadcaster you're broadcasting super bowl. everybody knows you for that well the way i found a way to get myself on Jay Leno twice was being the host of BattleBots, <laughs> and how real honest to God, and when how it started, a buddy of mine wanted to audition. I was doing, I just finished my NFL career after ten years, and was doing morning drive radio in San Diego and commuting back and forth to Bristol to do ESPN. And I hadn't been out of football for three months, and so doing morning drive, and all of a sudden, my buddy about three months into the, it was like maybe October in the fall of 95 96 and my buddy says who was a lineman on my team but a really funny guy you guys would freaking love him and he says sal's man i'm gonna go audition i want you to come and be my guy to tease me up at the audition like five thousand people are going to audition for this thing called battle like what the fuck's battle bots dude i said i got morning drive show what am i gonna do with that i don't know what you're talking about he goes a bunch of rich guys who build these machines that beat the hell out of each other come on let's do it i said all right so i went up there with him just to help him i had honest to guy didn't do any research i didn't do anything we get there and we go through it and went pretty well. <laughs> About a, three weeks later, I get a call and they say, could you come back for a second audition? I said, what do you mean? Can I come back for a second audition? My buddy's really good too. I didn't care. I mean, I, Comedy Central, I didn't know anything about it. Now, if you'd have told me I'm going up to be on the man show with Corolla and Kimmel at the time, you know, because they were in the same building, which was, and they became fans of the show. And so I said, oh, okay, so I went for another audition. And they called me back and they said, down to five people, we're going to decide, we'd like to talk to you. I said, after that, it was like three weeks out then. So they hired me to be the guy with Bill Dwyer, who's a f- classic comedian for BattleBots and like Bill Nye, the science guy. And I'm telling you, man, I had Comedy Central treated us like gold. I'm thinking, man, you can make this kind of money and have this much fun when you're doing like three months instead of 12. And it became a cult following. It, it really did. So... I, we go through it and doing it, and I'm like, I don't ever want to leave this gig. I, I was still doing television ESPN. It didn't conflict. And so we did a couple seasons. It was off the charts. I had a blast. Vlad the Impaler and had fun. And then I, I get a call from NBC. They say, we'd like you to come on, and Jay Leno wants to have you as a guest. I said, what the fuck? What are you talking about? I'm just a play-by. And so of all the years of thinking, oh, I'm going to be a Super Bowl MVP or I'm broadcasting year, I'm on Jay Leno with Matchbox 20 and – Brandon, Brendan Frazier that night. We go out, Jay builds it because he's a motorhead. And I had a blast. I'm like, this is, you got, I'm sitting here in the, in the green room and they bring you a big old tray of drinks, right? They bring it in, literally bring it in and say, there's whiskey. And I'm thinking, now, I'm not a huge drinker, but I, I got to I got to relax a little bit. I'm going on this. I'm going to shit myself. So again, it's just a different world, that entertainment world. And so we went out, I had a blast and I went on a second time. Jay had built one again. And I had a blast, and that's how I got on Leno. And I haven't been on since, and haven't been on those talk shows since. But the cult following, I'll still get people. I had a guy in the airport about two weeks ago come to me and say, you know what, dude? I don't know about all the rest of it. He goes, but I love <laughs> BattleBots. I'm like, great. So that's how that started, and it was by accident. That's the honest-to-God truth. But they treated me great. In about a year, season three, ESPN finally said, we're, we, we, you're going to have to, you can't do it because it'll conflict with your schedule. I said, it's not conflicting with my schedule. I'll make sure it doesn't. We'll schedule it here, but I had to give it up. But uh, for the first two or three years, I had an absolute blast with some of the greatest people on the planet. And that's how it started, man. Hey, well, I got to thank you personally, because some of my uh, childhood memories are me sitting in the living room 
watching robots when they would bring out like a flamethrower, a pile driver. And my mom's like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm addicted to robots fighting each other. Um, right. and- <laughs> oh, it's priceless shit. Like, like I said, Vlad, I had the Vlad the Impeller was one, you know, he had that little thing you could get underneath and flip the guy over, oh, you know, he had that little scoop. Yeah. We, oh, and it's like, they're in, and then they had one ran and then they had one that could spin around. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm like, these guys with a lot of money that know how to engineer this shit. This is really cool. And I learned to love it, but I'm glad you're in there eating pizza and your mom. Like, what the hell are you doing, boy? You better start studying. We got class. Yeah, tomorrow, I failed a right? lot of exams just because of battle box. I, I, <laughs> My bad, brother. <laughs> we made it out. Um, but to kind there of switch go. it up a little bit, I did. I was doing a little research before you got on. And as you, it's probably shocking to you, but my body wasn't necessarily built for the gridiron. Um, so I had more of an affinity for basketball. And I saw, and I did not know this at all, that you it looks like you averaged 26 and a half in high school. Is that accurate from Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. And then we're offered. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, I don't, I, I haven't been on a Wikipedia page uh, maybe one time in 30 years. Oh, I, checked I don't you out I, all day I didn't know when it started. Yeah. So I, I don't know how, I mean, people go on there and adjust. That's, that, that is accurate. I, was a, high, a Street and Smith honorable mention All American and was recruited by UCLA and Notre Dame and Michigan State. That was the Judd Heathcote, Larry Brown, Digger Phelps. And the truth is, I didn't play football until I got to high school. I'll let you finish your question. I didn't play football until I got to high school. I never played. I didn't even know how to put pads in when I my first day as a freshman in high school. I'd play in the park, tackle football with my buddies, but I was a basketball and baseball guy. And then football just got in the way, and then, then I ended up making a career. So yeah. <laughs> I still miss my Friday night and Tuesday night high school basketball. Oh, hell yeah. And I had some hops. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to brag about much. I was a motherfucker on the basketball court. Well, yes, jump, run, physical. And if you got close to me, you may catch an elbow to the throat. That's exactly right. Yes, well, I we was. Were pretty so sim- we were pretty similar. I averaged four and a half points a game my senior year. Um, so we were right up <laughs> you there. You exploded for six. Yeah, I mean, we had you know some D3 <laughs> looks, okay? I mean, it was relatively similar high school for both of us. <laughs> I, I, st- I stuck with broadcasting, Sean. It was, it was just that. I unfortunately had no other options. We tried the wrestling phase growing up, and about two months in, it was uh, running around in a singlet trying to grab dudes. It wasn't for me, but to each their own. <laughs> uh, here's a segue, talking about basketball. I know Adam Sandler is obsessed with the game of hoops. I, I've, I've seen him in some of these documentaries. He just walks around New York sometimes and I'll find random like 18 year olds and play pickup basketball with them. But you taught him his footwork in the longest yard. Can you take me back to that time on the set and, and what it was like working with Sandler? Yeah, it, guys, first of all, I love this. You guys do a great job. I love being on this because we can kind of dig into some other than the fact that somebody throwing a bang post, which is fine. I love this stuff. And now I get to talk about a guy who I phenomenal human being. I, I, I was got back from the Pro Bowl. And when I was doing television at ESPN, there was a call on my voicemail that said, this is um, Happy Madison Productions for Sean Salisbury. Can you call us back? I didn't call back because I got a bunch of buddies. We all got that asshole buddy that tries to toy with you. You know what I'm saying? And sure. any of us who watched the original, you know, longest yard, but that's not, they didn't tell me why they were calling. So another week goes by, call comes again, check the voicemail. So I'm thinking, okay, let me, let me just call this number back. I call and the, the, the receptionist answer goes, uh, uh, Sony Pictures, because Happy Madison, they're at the Netflix building, I think now, but they were on the Sony lot. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for Barry. Um, uh, what's Barry's last name? Yeah, I, I just was talking about him the other day. Um, anyway, that, that neither here nor there. But he was the, the Happy Madison senior coordinator, the, the executive producer. He was the name. You see him. When you see his name, you'll know who he is. And so I didn't know who he was, but people in the movie industry, I guess, did. And so I asked for his name. She goes, just a second. May I tell him who's calling? I said, it's Sean Salisbury. Just a second. Mr. Salisbury gets on. He said, Barry Bernardi. Bernardi said, Sean, Barry here. I said, hi, Barry. I said, what can I do for you? I said, sorry, I'm late getting getting back to you. I, I got asshole buddies that would have might wanted me to make, make it seem like I was a big shot, and I thought they were playing a game on me, and he laughed. I said, well, what can I do for you? He said, well, uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're doing a remake of The Longest Yard. I, I don't know if you heard that. I said, well, I knew it was. I didn't know who was doing it, but I'm a fan of the original. And he goes, and we would like you to train the quarterback. And I said, well, why me? He said, well, Adam Sandler, who I'd only met for 15 seconds with Dan Fouts. We were doing the preseason games for the Chargers. Right when I got out of football, we, we did the preseason games on TV. And Dan was in, uh, what, what's the one where he's the linebacker? Um, 
where he's the crazy uh, the Bobby Boucher. What's the name of that damn movie? The broadcaster. Yeah, Waterboy. And so Sandler came in at halftime, said hi to Dan, and I was sitting there. I turned around and said, "Hey, Adam, nice to meet you. I'm a fan. So great to meet you." He goes, "Nice to meet you too." I don't even know if he knew my name at the time. That was it. So years later, here we are, and I say, "Well, why me?" And he goes, "Well, Sandler's seen you on TV, and he had asked somebody, and somebody had." said you're passionate and you're good at it and i said well i'm glad to know that thank you and i said that's great i said well what what what, what do you want me to do for you so well uh we want you to train paul crew who was burt reynolds in the first movie i said well who's playing paul crew i'm thinking well sandler's going to either be in the movie or he's just going to be the producer of it and he said adam sandler and i laughed because i'm thinking burt reynolds <laughs> tough guy adam sandler i said come on now man and I said, you're I telling said, me you know, happy Gilmore, you're telling me happy Gilmore can do more that. than just hit it 800 yards down the fairway. Right. And I said, and I, you know, we, we, he loves these sports movies, but I said, I said, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And I laughed and he goes, no, Sean, he's doing it. I said, now, wait a minute. I said, you have a lot of money. I said, it's going to take a lot of money for me to train Sandler. And he laughed. He goes, don't worry about that. And I said, okay. But I didn't even think about it. I said, well, okay. What do you have in mind? He goes, Adam would like you to fly out to California. We'll get the contract done. He'd like you to meet the guys. So when in a week, my agent and I, we flew out there and I told my agent, I said, what am I doing? I, we walked in there, we get at the Sony lot and we walk in there and there's Spade and they're walking around. Sandler's in, you know, his, his cargo shorts with high top shoes on, just like you imagine him walking down the park and picking a, a pickup game at Rucker Park, right? With a, with a polo shirt and, and cargo shorts. I walk in there and there's the producer and the director and guys are peeking their head in and out and Schneider's there and I'm like, I looked at my agent. I said, this is out of my realm, dude. This is not, I, I, what am I, what do I do? He goes, just be you and do what you do. I said, okay. So we're talking Salisbury. I just want you to teach me how to throw it 40 yards. I said, okay. I said, we got to do that. I said, but my name's on this. So what do you expect from me? And he said, well, what do you expect from me? I said, well, I expect you to be the guy who makes these throws and footwork to look at. And when you lick your fingers and do drills that quarterbacks do while they're just kind of hanging around while you're on camera. And we worked and worked and worked. He said, okay. And so we went through it all. We signed it. The contract was agreed to. I said, hell yeah, I'm in. I'll train him to do anything for that. I'm in. So the next morning I show up at his house, opens it. Oh, sorry. There's my dog. See, my dogs are barking, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's my 100-pound bully barking, thinking somebody's at the door. Sorry, guys. And so I show up at his house. He opens. Sorry. Settle down, guys. That's on Pops. He opens. Sorry, sorry guys. This is real live podcasting, right? <laughs> Oh, we can't hear anything. Honestly, yeah. if you if you wouldn't have pointed out the dogs, your your oh. headset is so headset. good oh, okay. that I don't hear bully at like, all. I can't even hear myself breathe. So I'm sorry. They heard the knock, and I got to say I got a hundred pound bully. But anyway, so I go to his house, and Matzo Ball's there, and his wife. He's in his robe, pajamas, at the, and he says, "Come on, you want breakfast?" I said, "No, I'll wait. I'll wait right here." Waited for him. We go to the park and throw for about forty five minutes, and I said, "I'm gonna wear you out." He said, "We're gonna make this right." And so we spent the next four months training, football, football, footwork, throwing, three step drop, and he's a Really good actor because he learned, and most of the throws were his in the movie. He wasn't going to take all those hits. But one thing, back to your basketball question, every day before we trained, we'd go play basketball. It was me and him versus any two he'd get. And he'd go to you guys come out. We're playing. We'd play for about 45 minutes, and then we'd go have something to eat, and then we'd go train. We'd go, we'd go throw football. he doesn't football. shoot, right? He, he doesn't shoot the ball. He only when passes. He, when, and, he loves uh, it. He'll shoot if he's got a shot, but he likes to. He likes his handle and the rest of it. And he's got a, a, a different kind of form style. You know, it's a, it's a different style unlike the normal shooter, but it's, it's serviceable. But he's got – when I first saw him, I said, come on, man. As a quarterback, I thought, this guy picks it up quick. And he, the drop and three-step and the quick game and licking his fingers, all that, how to wear eye black when you're walking to the line of scrimmage and you're holding all those things and throwing. And, and he's a good basketball player, and we did it every day for months. And then we did the movie, and he put me in bench warmers and house bunny and the rest of the history. We've remained phenomenal friends. He's one of the – whatever you think good about Sandler, times at times 100. And he and Schneider were just in Houston doing a comedy show. I went and saw him and went backstage. And he's the same guy he's always been. He's fiercely loyal, which you hear about, and it's true. Treats When you hear, oh, he treats the intern like he would the CEO, he does. And his friends, we became instant friends and – I was in over my head when it came to, you know, sitting around a movie t- a table reading movie scripts and the bench warmers and all that. But the longest yard was the introduction to it. And uh, some of the best times of my life were with those guys on those three movies and training him and laughing and just the simple things. And he's a simple guy that doesn't, you know, that really is what you think he is. And he had to play basketball 
every day we trained. And that's a fact. And we never lost. So there's another fact. He's probably got the best wardrobe in Hollywood that I've ever seen as well, right? No friggin' doubt, <laughs> my man. Yeah, you guys, you guys, judging from this and this great podcast, you guys would friggin' love him because he just, he just is, he's, you know what he is? It's kind of say, just, is it safe for me to say he's normal? I don't know if maybe, or he's abnormal like the rest. I guess abnormal is the right. way to but if he was on here, he'd just be laughing. He doesn't, like, like most good comedy comedians, when he's not on, he doesn't want to be on. He's very kind and respectful, but, you know, he's just a low key. What you think about him is exactly who he is times 10 or 100. He's a great, great guy. I had a blast doing that. I was, I felt through. Marino gives me a hard time still to this day. Dan said, because he interviewed him on that HBO show. You know, when they had, when Dan was doing the show on HBO, the X's and O's show they still have, like with Phil Sims and that. And Dan had Sandler on and interviewed him. He goes, fucking Sal, what the fuck you got Salisbury training you for? And Sandler laughed with him. And I told Marino, I said, dude, you got all that arm and all that. And I still talk to him this day. I said, one thing you'll never have on me is I trained Sandler and you didn't. He didn't ask you, he asked me. So that's the only thing I got on Danny. We still laugh about it. Every time I see him at the Super Bowl, we have a laugh about it. But Sandler's a good man. And uh, I was fortunate and blessed to be a part of it. So listen, I've lived a life that I, I, I would have never been able to even fathom just because of the great people around me. I was only a small part of that movie, man. So I was grateful to be in it. Yeah, Dan Marino just got captured by Lois Einhorn. That was the only thing he had going for uh, his his <laughs> acting jobs. So that's, you won yeah. that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that, that's another thing. I'm a better actor than Marino. We'll we'll argue about that all the time, right? Now, Danny, that was uh, he got a little Jim Carrey. I got a little Adam Sandler. There you go. So I'll take it. And um, as far as just a little segue to your football career, so we're in the NFL, then went over to Canada, right? And I was just looking at some mm -hmm. of the numbers. You weren't you were slinging it out in Canada, right? I'm just curious. On right. I saw it was what 26 tutties, 26 picks. It was kind of a Farvesque over the career. <laughs> yeah, we kept throwing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That chance, a CFL chance taker, brother. We won a Grey Cup, and yeah, I was. Uh, if 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 there was a window the size of a coffee can, I was going to try to throw it in it. I spent two years in a league, and my agent called me up, and I was backing up, and I said, I, I want to play. I want to get experience, right? And so I, if you had told me 10 years before that I'd go play in the CFL, I said, no. I said, well, let me go give it a chance. And it's weird how certain things work out. I went over to Canada, training camp, missed the first game because I got there late because I was on a team until the final roster day in the NFL. And then after two years in a league, I went over there. And the guy in front of me, Tom Mickey, who, is, who passed away a handful of years ago, one of the finest humans you'll ever meet, we were getting ready for a game in warm-ups, like game three of the season. And Tom was a Baylor grad, and he's out there. He's a starting quarterback. We're out in warm-ups at Winnipeg. I'd just gotten the mix. First time I'm out there practice, guys are running. I'd seen CFL, but when you're the quarterback under center, guys are running towards the line of scrimmage, those slots, and I stop down, and Coach Riley says, Sean, we are allowed to do that here. I go, that's right, because I'm so used to the NFL and college game in the U.S. Well, we go out for pregame warm-up, and Tom Mickey, his bursa sack of his elbow bursts. It, 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 it's about that big. He goes into the locker room, you know, when you go out for warm-ups and you go back in before you come out and we're out there starting. He's laying on the table, and I'm telling you, Tom's face is flushed white. He's, you, you can tell he's miserable. And Mike Riley comes walking, and Tom says, Sean, I'm sorry to put you in this bind, man. I, I, and he couldn't go. I said, no, dude, I got it. We're going to be okay. You hang in there. And Mike Riley, the head coach, says, Sean, you're going to have to start. And I thought, have to start? Shit. That's why I, I came here to play. And I got to call my own plays eventually. I didn't. I started the rest of the season. We ended up going to the Grey Cup and went on a great run and won the Grey Cup. And it was a, one of those. And then the next year we threw for like 40-some hundred yards. And then it's amazing how two years there, and now the interest in the NFL came back. And I went on a to Green Bay and New Orleans and Minnesota and went on that off Tampa off-season circuit and ended up signing and staying with Minnesota for, what, five, six years. And that's really how it started. And it started with a guy. Now, I don't know if I would have played five games later. Who knows when I would have played. But a, a guy who was a dear friend, Bursa Sack, burst during pregame warm-up. And we, we, we go on to win the Grey Cup that year, and, and I was fortunate to be a quarterback on a good team. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, hey, there's Wally Pip. I was going to say, it's yeah. the Tom Brady and uh, Drew Bledsoe scenario, just CFL style. Exactly. Yeah, and anytime anybody can give me Tom <laughs> Brady and me in the same sense, oh, I'll yeah. take it. And that's the only time that'll ever happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, let's talk uh, your USC days. I don't even really want to get – 
into your days in Southern California that much, just more so what you think about the conference, because you grew up a son of the Pac-10, and now the Pac-10, which was the Pac-12, has turned into the Pac-4. The Conference of Champions has turned into the Conference of Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal. Just your overall thoughts on, on how frustrating this entire saga has been. Yeah, it's the first thought was, man, this is such horseshit, right? Guys, think about, before we just focus on the Pac-12, think about the, in a matter of about, now I know we've had realignment like Conference USA and AAC. We've had realignment for a while, right? But I'm talking about realignment with the big fellas, right? The, at, at Texas and Oklahoma, and now the Pac-12 and people moving around. Think about from like July of 2021 to now. Name, image, and likeness, all this realignment and the transfer portal. In three, in two to three years, college football had more changes than we've had in 35 years, 40, since I was in college. I mean, just like that, it's like we got, you know, I think it was uh, Napier, Shabazz Napier at, at UConn. Remember when he stood on the podium when the national champion said, sometimes we don't even get to eat, or the day before when he was after the final four game to go to the title, he said, you know, we can't even get a sandwich. The next year, we had sandwiches in the refrigerators and locker rooms. A couple of years later, we got we, we, we got guys getting millions of dollars to do it. Like that, college football changed. Coaches could leave whenever they want, so now the kids get an opportunity to do it. But now it's gone the other way where it's like, whoa, I've got to regulate it a little bit. It's out of hand, right? I want the kid to get paid. If you sell all those jerseys, hell, you should get a cut of it. It's we, There's no longer amateur football. We don't have college football anymore. It's professional football with college-age kids. And – I don't, I don't begrudge them one bit, but there's got to be something that, that slows this down a little bit or regulates it, but that's for another whole conversation. But as far as the Pac-12, when I got over the initial, because growing up in San Diego and being an SC fan and getting recruited there and the Pac-10 and the Rose Bowl, Michigan and SC, Ohio State and, and Southern Cal, you waited for that. Herb Street and I had this conversation about two weeks ago, same way. When you get over the old school this is the way it has to be. Because if you don't change, you guys know. I'm not telling you anything. You don't know your – now, change is one thing. You can be an old head and like change and like the new game, but still keep some of the – like the way I was raised. Hell, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be raised any other way than my mom and dad did it. Yet change is, you know, the spank on the rear and happened to me. I, you know, They didn't take a phone away, put your finger in your chest, get your ass in a room or do chores on a Saturday. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know growing up. It's the same thing with football. Things change. If you don't adjust and adapt, you get left behind. So – after I got over the original, how dare them do this to our conference, right? How dare them do this to the Pac-10, now Pac-12? But when I got over the emotional, oh, my gosh, history part of it, it playing in the Big Ten is better competition. When you're talking about we don't have to wait till 9 o'clock for the East Coast or 10 o'clock playing Stanford on a Saturday night. You're going to wake up and play Michigan at noon on a Saturday, Southern Cal. Now, the travel and all that stuff. You know, football travel is usually a little easier than baseball and basketball because you get time and you go. But it's better competition when you get them both together. So I didn't have a problem with that once I got over the initial, what the hell is going on here? But what it's done, the way Larry Scott and the Pac-12 has left this conference, I don't blame them for leaving money-wise because that's what it's all about. It's a, All you have to do is follow that trail. They fucked it up. And here we are now. So you're going to get what, maybe San Diego State or Boise State, or I, I don't know who it's going to be. Because eventually, if, if, if you're smart and you're the Big Ten or the Big 12, why in the hell would I leave Cal and Stanford sitting there? Shit. Academics, they raise the bar. There's some good, what, Stanford's the number one overall with the Sears Trophy. They win more championships in all sports than anybody does. So them too. Hell, what are you left with? So the ego part of it hurts. But I can't wait, to be honest with you. Hey, you got Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State back-to-back -back weeks if you're USC or UCLA. I think it's pretty friggin' cool. So I can get over the old school. Change is okay with me. I'm, I'm okay. Music, movies, football. But we're no with Pac-12, this is the last year we're a power conference. We're down to the power four, and eventually they're all going to form their own, and the NC2A is going to go away. And they're going to get a – I'm telling you, they're going to get a union, and they're going to have their own commissioner. Because right now the pecking order goes, the the big schools, player empowerment, NC two A's third. They don't have any power. They just happen to be the ones that you're contracted to. The TVs will follow the goods. The TV rights will follow the good teams, and or the good teams will follow them. 
So, yeah, I got over the initial how dare them emotional part of growing up as a Pac-10 guy. But as I sit here now, I don't blame Arizona, Arizona State. I don't blame Washington and Oregon. I don't blame Southern Cal and UCLA. I don't because uh, competition and doing it, it makes it's going to be a better Saturday of football. I sure as shit will tell you that. Not to say I'm not saying the Pac-10 doesn't have good teams because they've got monster quarterbacks in the conference this year, and they got with between Caleb Williams and Washington and Oregon and Knicks. I mean, we got some players that can rip it now. So they're going to go out in style, and I hope that one of them finds their way into the Final Four. But they've completely decimated it. So the power conference of the Pac-12 is done in a, in 12 months or less. Um, and I'm anxious to see how they fare. But this is only the beginning of what's going to be the end of we'll end up having two national titles, one for non-Power 5 and one for Power 5. And that's the way it's going to be, and all that money is going to be made. And to stop it from going downhill is going to be tough to do. And I'm glad, uh, glad you brought up the kind of the NIL situation. I'm curious on your take there. Because a lot of the problem is, you know, you're giving an 18-year-old, what, a million bucks to go somewhere. They might end up being dog shit. Not worth that. Um, they transfer. They take right. the money, go somewhere else. What does uh, what does Sean Salisbury do at, at 18 if he's given, you know, $800,000? I, I know personally things probably wouldn't have ended well for me in college with, you know, a million dollars to my name. Didn't have the opportunity. But just curious on your take. Obviously, it was a different time. Well, as a guy who was fortunate to be highly recruited, I just wish I was born 30 years <laughs> right. later, man. I would have liked to see what it was like. Because I come from a blue-collar construct. My dad was a plaster by trade, and my mom was a, a wedding cake decorator and, and, and did weddings but was also a hairdresser. And we didn't have a lot of money. I know that sounds cliche that everybody said well, we didn't. We were a paycheck-to-paycheck family, but I never knew it. Hell, didn't matter because my, my they were – and all the games and had great love in the family. So I, in truth, if I'd have got that, I'd have probably, not probably, I would have, the first thing I ever did when I got the NFL, I bought an SUV and my dad didn't know I was doing it for him. A guy, my the first vehicle I bought, I bought it for my pops. And so I would have probably taken a million bucks and given it to my mom and dad to put away. They wouldn't have spent it because they would have said, that's your money, son. But they would have, I just said, mom, send me enough for Domino's pizza. So I don't have to bounce a check when you're, in 1981, we wrote checks, guys. We actually didn't have debit cards. And so after, as a freshman at USC, didn't want to bounce a check uh, writing for the $12 pizza. So I, I, I wouldn't have, I'd have bought a vehicle probably. Maybe with name, image, and likeness, some dealership would have given me one because they offered me one then <laughs> when, I, when it wasn't legal because that was the SMU time. So I, I, would have pro- I wouldn't have known what to do with it. Hell, if I had 1000 bucks, I was like, sold my tickets, USC, Notre Dame, scalped them and made extra money. Okay, cool. Um, so that would have been a problem, but I, I know if I'd have had my hands, I'd be like, "Ooh, what am I going to do?" I'd have been treating everybody because I wanted all my linemen and everybody to be happy. But I, I just, I think it's okay. I, I like that, you know. Listen, if you're, why shouldn't a guy that go gives a speech, or a phone company wants to endorse him and they want to pay him a million bucks? I just the way it's paid out. I don't like high school guys hand to hand cash. When I was getting recruited and John Robinson was in my living room, or or you know, or Notre Dame shows up, or one of the schools. At no time did I say, how much money am I going to get paid? What am I going to sell my tickets for? It was, when am I going to get a chance to play? Um, my major's there, so when am I going to get a chance to play? How many tickets do we get? And who's my, what kind of offense are we running? Now it's here at no time. I train a bunch of kids across the country, guys, and some five stars that are big-time players that, that, that name, image, and likeness is coming their way. And of the three questions that you're asking – to a man, and I was at a think tank with like 20 coaches this summer for a week sitting around. All we did was talk football in a big old house with these guys. And you know what the number one question or number two question they're getting asked now by the parents? How much money is my kid getting paid? Not, is my major there? What's my chance to compete? Are you, are, how many times are we going to throw the ball? Do we have? A, how many games are we going to be on TV? When's the Notre Dame SC game? Will I get a chance to compete? All those things. It's Even if the kid's been raised right or has money or doesn't have money, it's always asked, and it's, so it shifted the, the narrative and the, par- the paradigm shifted. So I don't know. I, I would have given it to my parents, but now you're talking 10, 12, 15 million bucks. Why should I have a problem, though, if Caleb Williams sells uh, 100,000 jerseys and him getting a cut of it, how it's given him? Why? Shit, the, 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 coach the coach got to leave whenever he wanted. Do I think we're out of hand when now guys are literally going to school because they're transferring because somebody's offered them more money? They can wake up on a Friday – be playing on a Monday. You got to sit out. You got the transfer portal. It's you can go whenever you want. So while I'm for the kid, there we're, we're to the point now. We've gone we've gone too much extreme the other way. 
a way to get them paid and do it the right way. But now the cheating, I think they're cheating more. I, I, I do. Because now when you cheat, nobody's really looking. You're, oh, man, I gave him a million. Had a hand-to-hand cash. Back then it was, and I can tell you a story. We walked into Heritage Hall. I had an alumni. Now it's past that point. We got put on probation for it, but they gave us an alumni, just like you see in the movies. The week before the Notre Dame game, I'd walk in, meet him in Heritage Hall. We would walk into the bathroom. My alumni, we'd go to the restroom, be washed hands. He'd hand me an envelope. There'd be like $5,000 in cash because he'd buy, he'd triple pay for the Notre Dame tickets. Handed me the thing, stuck in my pocket, left the restroom, washed my hands, said, we'll see you, enjoy the game. He was my guy for four years. And 2000 extra bucks, you thought you had died and gone to heaven because oh, yeah. you had a little extra money. And now that is, hey, man, we direct deposit. I'm doing an endorsement for Chevrolet, and it's a uh, half a million dollars, and, I, and I, I get a free Corvette. I mean, that's okay. I don't, I'm not, it's not like, oh, how dare these guys, because there's some good players. Caleb Williams should be getting paid. Johnny Manziel should have got paid for his jersey. But I still have a problem with, oh, I, I, we, we don't teach our kids in football to, have, to deal with adversity now. I'm not saying everybody. It's not a blanket statement. But the second a guy gets beat out, he's leaving. Or the second he wins the job but has another year or two to play, and somebody says, dude, we'll give you $3 million. Our collective's got more money. Come on, play with us. He's up and leaving his, 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 his boys and his buddies and going to go get the $3 million extra. And can you blame him? Because most of these guys are not going to play very long on Sundays. And a lot of these guys, Johnny Manziel would have made more money in college than he ever did in the NFL. Would have made far more, considering now how it's turned out. Tim Tebow. How much would Tebow have been worth in college? Matt Leinart. Think about it. So I don't have a problem. I don't begrudge him. Things change. But do I think it's out of hand? I absolutely fucking think it's out of hand. Do I think the transfer portal is absurd where you can transfer four times? Get the fuck out of here. As Enough. a fan, it sucks. Okay. And, and without, yeah, it does. And we're, you, you can't even follow them. But I understand all these years, the kid, but we've got to find a way. And that's why this power, I mean, nobody knows what hands feed in the other hand. They, they don't know what's, who's coming and going. So we've got to find leadership that regulates this and slows the process down to keep some semblance of normalcy and purity if it still exists in sports. I'm for the kid. I'm for the coach. I'm for the school. I'm for the fan. But guess who doesn't have a voice in all this? The fam. They get no voice. Yeah. And that sucks. It sucks, man. It it does suck. And and I got two more quick ones for you. One is going to be a movie pitch that I have that you have to give to Sandler for us that I think can make it big. We actually actually had on a a writer that wrote uh, Netflix's Ratchet last week. I knew him from college. And uh, he said it had some legs. Now, there may have been some sarcasm there. You'll have to tell me if it's a Happy Madison production. But you're the guy that I've been trying to reach out. I've had this idea since 2018, so I'll get into that in one second. But Joe Burrow and the Bengals. This is a uh, Cincinnati-based podcast. It's where a lot of our listeners are from. You know football better than anyone. Thoughts on Joe Burrow? I'd have a hard time over the next decade of if you said start a franchise of not having him be the guy. I love Mahomes. I think Allen's good. But everything that I'm looking for, listen, you give me Mahomes and you take Burrow, shit, I'm going to win as we've seen that. I take it. But I have had this conversation many times, and I'm not real good at much, guys, but I do study this position hard and deep deep dive into a lot, not just the the results of the stats. I want to know how you got to that stat. From the way, from the time he changed LSU, the, the, the way that that program, you know, when the, that season he had. There are certain guys, and we use the word it probably too. We've got the it factor. We don't know what the fuck it is. I can just tell you this. Things I need to have from my quarterback is do you elevate the room and maximize the building? The fucking Cincinnati Bengals since Boomer. I mean, I know they had Dalton and they did some good things with Marvin, but you know what I'm talking about. Sam Weish, Boomer size, Kenny Anderson. I'm talking about where every week you showed up and the Cincinnati Bengals were a bitch to deal with. And then they went cheap on the scouting, all the stuff that's been well-documented. Great fans. They deserved it. And so Burl Waltz is in and look what one guy – now, he doesn't – when they say one guy completely, it's, it's single-handedly. No, he didn't. Jamar Chase pretty fucking good. they got some good players. Zach Taylor's done a good job. But literally, look what one dude did to walk in the building and say, we're not doing this anymore. This shit's not happening. Blows out, breaks his leg, comes back, and plays better. I mean – the swagger, players love him. He's got the balls of a daytime burglar in the pocket to get the shit kicked out of him and keep on coming. He's got good feet. 
He's a brilliant football IQ. He's been through adversity, hit rock bottom, was forced to transfer because he wasn't going to play at Ohio State. All these things. So I, if Joe Burrow, one Super Bowl will not be his only one. I think Joe Burrow is special. Whatever he's got, we should, we, we should want. We got about six of those, seven of those cats at the top that are real good. You can mix and match any of them. But if you're telling me you're giving me Joe Burrow, I'll guarantee you I plan on winning more than one Super Bowl. I think he's special. And I love a guy that gets the shit kicked out of him, seven sacks, and keeps coming. He'll fight you. He can throw it. Everything, put it this way. He doesn't do anything bad. There's no glaring weakness in his game. He completely just walked in. It's almost like if everybody would have said it's a loser's lament. It's Cincinnati. They don't pay well. We're not going anywhere. It's almost like Burrell knocked about 55 people in the face and said, no, this is, we're, we're changing this. And I don't just like him. I love him. So if you're telling me you're giving me Burrell, I would pay him. Tomorrow, he gets to be the highest-paid quarterback and player in NFL history, and I'm not even going to make it close. I'm going to take all those years of low pay, and I'm going to blow the field away. And he's going to break the bank. Not Hurts. I mean, they're all really great players. He's next. And when he gets paid, he's gonna, he will have earned every penny. Look what he's done. We're talking about the Bengals every year now, like Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Burrow, Super Bowl, MVP. I think he's a freak. I think he's got what every guy needs. Throws on time, has the, the balls, like I said, of a daytime burglar, and he maximizes the building where everybody's better because of Joe Burrow. So you give me him for the next 10 years, I'll take that bet that I'm going to beat you more than you're going to beat me on Sunday in February. You're damn right I'm a Burrow guy. Chuck, make sure that you snip that and we can play that before every goddamn game this year because I'm fired the hell up. The balls of a daytime burglar – Make the T-shirts. Let's get this thing. Yeah, going. but think about it. What kind of balls? Yeah, think about those balls <laughs> He's got now. Big balls. For, for Joe Cool. Huge balls. Dude, you're walking in. Think about it. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon, and dude just walks this. Fuck that, dude. I'm taking that money. That I'm doing this. That TV's mine. I want your computer. And everybody's sitting there saying, "Did this bitch just walk in here and take all this?" You're like, "Yeah, he did." What are you gonna do about it? Not a damn thing. <laughs> I love it. So that's and that that's him. I just the dude, and he can. The guy, and you know what? He doesn't take it for granted. That's another thing. He's not caught. He still wants to grind and win. He's that guy who, like Brady, and I, the reason I say it, and I said before he came out of LSU, I said, I haven't seen a guy in a long time be able to manipulate, and he's a great pocket presence. Phenomenal. And the last guy I saw that good in that area, I'm not saying he's Brady. People say, he's not Brady yet. Who is? But he, the pocket in that hula hoop in the pocket. Nobody moves, sidestep, reset, and throw. Brady was the guy. Burrow is the closest thing we got to him. And Brady maximized the building. Burrow does the same thing. We got a handful of guys that do it. But Joe is the closest thing we got to a guy who you say, well, how good can he be? Well, you keep giving him players and keep paying players and keeping them happy. The Cincinnati Bengals have the best quarterback in Cincinnati history. And that's saying something with Kenny Anderson and Boomer Esiason, who were both good. Burrow's going to run by all of it, and he's going to break the bank, and he should. All right, you, you've been waiting for this one, Sean. The Happy Madison production. You can send this over to what would you say your guy's name was, Rob? Barry or, Bernard. Uh, I'll just send it right. To, I'll just walk it up to Sandler. Screw that. Send we'll it right to Barry. Right yeah. Honestly, snip this out. And I was thinking, do I get a finder's fee for this shit? And I like, am I part of the producer credits? Do I get part of this? If this if this flies, do I get it? You might be a main character. You get absolutely whatever you want. Get okay. in his hands, main character. You're an agent. You can be the brother. We were going to do the Dylan brothers. It was going to be Johnny Drama as the main character. Oh, there you I'm go. Thinking about yeah. it now, he's not a happy Madison guy. I don't think he fits into the role. I'm thinking maybe Steve. Is it Steve Buscemi? Is that his name? Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah. So and Steve Buscemi. loves Buscemi. Yeah. So Buscemi's the main character because he never has a main role, right? He's always he's the guy in Billy Madison that you know put the lipstick on, or he's in uh, Grown Ups with in the full body cast. But he's, he's never the other got a dude. Role. Right, right. Buscemi has a main role in this. So here's the premise of the story: Buscemi, and you could be Buscemi's brother. You're the other main character. I don't want to Buscemi's fuck up the movie. Let's get somebody who's going to make that movie go to the top shelf. I'll just stand on the wayside and watch him and have a cameo. How's that? Fair enough. Buscemi's a huge loser. He's about 50 years old. He's at a party. He's drinking with his brother. He has no idea what he wants to do with his life. And he takes some LSD. And this is where the story gets interesting. It's like a mixture of Doc Ellis, Johnny Manziel, 
like Mike with Calvin Cambridge. It's a mixture of all these different movies and the fact that that night he can't miss a shot. I'm talking hook shots, 45 footers, everything. Best player in the world. And everyone's like, where did Bashimi get so damn good? We'll, we'll figure out a name for Bashimi. Where did this guy get so damn good? Next day, they bring him out to the uh, they, they bring him out to the hardwood and he just sucks. And they figure out that the acid is the issue. He needs to be on acid. So they're pumping acid down this dude's, you know, just putting it into his uh, into his system every single day. Greatest player ever. That's where the like Mike comes into play and the Doc Ellis comes into play. But he obviously needs to have this LSD or he's just awful. And he runs out. Danny DeVito's the drug dealer. We're still workshopping and everything. But think about it. The comedy of it is he's on the floor just losing his mind while he's the greatest basketball player of all time. I mean, I think it's got some legs here, Sean. Right. I, I, I'm with you, and I'll tell you what. It covers all of what Sandler likes. He'll, can, he could, even, you, can make a, you can make it where drugs are involved, but not to the point where you can't have a kid in the movie, right? The, the LSD's the secret. It's a combination of flubber. Remember Robin Williams and flubber with the green? Oh, put yeah. it on, he invented It's a combination of Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox because when he, when he was Teen Wolf, when he turned Teen Wolf, he did it. This is far better. Because Doc Ellis obviously coked out of his mind or whatever when he LSD'd out of his mind. when he Didn't he throw a no-hitter on I LSD or something? Or win yeah. a game? Yeah, Doc so Ellis it's basically based on a true like story. Like in 71, yeah. right. Yeah. You get Buscemi, who's not exactly your matinee idol good looks, but he's pulling everything because he's the best player on the court. Oh, yeah. And you get him, and he's funny. So you get, a, and it's sports related, which Sandler loves. What's not to like about it? When that script's right. done, I'll make you a deal. When that script's done, now he may have somebody else. When that script's done, you give me a copy. I will put it in his hands. Now, what he's going to do with it is only up to him. I will make sure. I said I got something for you. Just read it. Tell me what you think. I think they take scripts. I mean, I, I would imagine everybody's, you know, wants a good movie. So. I, I can I, I can at least get it into his hand and and let him look. We might so, have to, yeah, you're on to something because it covers the full gamut. I might like have it. to have you uh, teach Buscemi how to shoot a jump shot too. Full circle. That I can do. <laughs> now watch watch Buscemi's probably like he fool. Buscemi's probably like, oh yeah, dude, I die. He's that guy with handling. Sandler puts him in movies because he kicks Sandler's out. Can you imagine if Buscemi actually had game and was oh, an he's like a stud? He's oh, like yeah. thirty and ten in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What was what what was he in what was he in Con Air? Not Cyrus the Virus. That was Malkovich. What was uh he was uh he got the whole world in his hand. In remember when he was in the he, remember he what would you know the movie you guys watch Con Air? What was Buscemi's name in Con Air? I can't tell you. He's the other guy. He wasn't Cyrus the Virus the lead. He was the other guy who'd killed like 40 people, but he was kind of sweet and nice. And he's the only one that escaped at the end who wasn't Nicolas Cage. So, yeah, you're on to something. Let's get this thing. Tell your buddy to script it up, get all the edits in, and let's put it on somebody's desk. Listen, stranger shit's happened, man. You're on to something, my man. Let's do this. Let's do this. That's what I like to hear. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, let's finish it off with telling us what PSF is, how you got involved, and uh, tell the people how they can, how they can uh, join the program. I don't want to use up too much of your time. I'm the president of PSF, which is pro, it's at, at PSF underscore app on Twitter. Go there. It's a free app. What it is, we talk about having fans involved and engaging with uh, hosts and media casts like a Manning cast and doing shows. It's the one of a kind where it's on your phone, mobile device, and it is, I'm, I'm as pumped about this as I've been about anything in 30 years of doing it because watching it build, we have two teams or three teams in every NFL city, baseball city, and in, when basketball comes around, and we'll have it in college where it's community-built chat rooms where people go in, and it's live, and it's engaging. And, for instance, we're doing this. Fans can come in, audio, video, punch a button, put them up. There'll be a betting app on it where you can go there as well. And, for instance, let's say I want to do a football a show, and we have a guest on, and they want to talk X's and O's. I can put a whiteboard. You can have the conversation. So we're bringing the fan in that they get to engage in real time not just on Twitter where it's linear, where it's the back and forth in every city. And we'll have the 49ers and Raiders media casters have a show where they're doing it against each other on game day. And it's basically morning drive TV, a morning TV that you see on ESPN mixed with your radio show, but deeper and more fan engagement. We talk all the time about the fan. I'm tired of letting the fan get left out where they get 15 seconds on a call-in radio show. Now they're engaged. You let them in when you want. You control it. And you can have 5,000. We'll monetize it with subscriptions. 
and great talent. The X's and O's are great, and it'll be with our technology. It's the Jimmys and the Joes and the talent we have that are going to be bringing them to you in all your NFL cities. Nonstop, wall-to-wall, 24-7 of PSF, and it's a fan-friendly engagement app where the fans invited with great sports content, which will eventually get into music, entertainment. There'll be a chat room for everything you want. It'll be including movies. Right now, it's sports. Good place to start. People are passionate about it. We'll start, and we'll have a team or two in every NFL city when the NFL kicks off coming up. I happen to be the president who's you know gone out and raising money for the you know the first the, the, the funding and now hire the talent along with the great team and I'm I'm a I'm grateful and honored to be a part of it but it's a whole group effort and we're so close to I think what is an epic game changer in on this platform and in this space and I can't wait. We love it, man. We need more fun. We need more laughs and right. less X's and O's. I know you love the X's and O's, but just more humanization in sports and in general, just, uh, you hit I mean, it. that's why it's fan engagement that you, you decided me to interrupt Chuck. That's, that's exactly what it is. And we always talk about the fans and want them engaged. Well, guess what? Here we are. And they'll get a chance to do it in real time every day. Unlike we get to do, and it's not linear. It's a two way street, which I love. All right, good stuff. That's Sean Salisbury, friend of the program. I think it's fair to say friend of the program. Anytime. You guys are awesome. Go Cincinnati Bengals. And you guys, uh, uh, to be on this podcast, fun. I'll do this anytime. I loved it. Thanks, Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Good stuff. Appreciate you, Sean. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Keep it up. All right. It's that time of the show. We finish off by canceling something. I now pronounce blank canceled. Deal with it. Kill up the Tony Perkis. Attention campers. Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle deal with it you want to start us off today houdini are you ever going to do your prep work have you prepped for this one what's the situation here i prepped too much for salisbury i was trying to figure out a cfl stats to even think of what i'm canceling so you go and i'll I'll workshop all right so i now pronounce the solo check canceled deal with it uh this happened a few weeks ago went out with some buddies in, in chicago obviously in the big cities you go out with 14 people you order and at the end they bring out one check and no one's splitting the check. It's, hey, we're going we're gonna to tally this thing up. We're going to divide it by 14. We're going to send that amount of Venmo out. So I'm sitting there and I'm kind of realizing that it's getting to this point when everyone's trying to alpha everyone. You know, I'm next to says daddy and, and says lax like, you know, I'll get the short rib. I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, dude, that's $80. You're getting an $80 short rib on a random Friday night. So I go with the blackened chicken Caesar salad, 19 bucks. I get one Irish coffee, another 12 bucks or whatever. And I'm thinking I'm going to walk out of there 30 bucks later. Now they're getting bottles of wine. They're getting oysters. I'm paying for these alcoholics to have five Irish coffees. And I'm the bad guy in the end for saying like, excuse me, can we split this check up to where I can, you know, pay $40 instead of 120? They laughed at me. They said, you're a fool. That's not how it works. So for anyone wondering if this ever happens to you, you got to go full alpha. You got to make them scared by how much you order. You get the short rib, the ribeye, the salad, and five beers, and don't bat an eye. And you make them say, yeah, we're going to have separate checks. And then you say, I digress. Never mind. I just want the Caesar salad. Screw you guys. Yeah, no, that's uh, Chicago and New York. Probably LA too. I'm not even sure. But um, I actually just got called out on Instagram because AJ, I won't say his name, AJ Eckhoff, um, just randomly called me out and said, when you when you have to split the check with Hudson or whatever. And it was some lady going nuts on Instagram. I haven't seen AJ in like two years. I was like, what a ricochet shot that was. But the the biggest point here is happened to me is in Chicago as well. I got a cheeseburger and one beer, whatever. And the check came around and I was, where's my check? And no, we do it by table head. That's what they called it, which is dumb as shit anyway. So I go, all right, whatever. And they had, you know, 18 cocktails the the ribeye like you said the the oysters the roasted duck and i ended up spending like 150 so the next time we went out i was like i'll play ball with y'alls i can play ball and do this got three of the most expensive cocktails and i hate cocktails um got like an entire shrimp pasta dinner i was doing apps for everybody i was like let's do an app for each person okay let's get this thing going I bankrupt these sons of bitches. They don't want me in Chicago anymore. I'll tell you that. But it, it's a stupid, to your point, it's a stupid rule because I think it just annoys people at the end of the day. You're kind of annoyed because you're paying for other people's shit. But every now and again, it's fine. If 
they need to have a sign that says, if you're a visitor, this is how we operate. Okay. Order as much as you want because everyone else is paying for it. Uh, that's what I'm canceling today. Houdini, maybe next time you do the prep work, uh, you don't have to look up as much. I hate cancel culture, dude. Stats. I hate cancel culture. That's why I can't do one. Fair enough. Hey, good show today, man. And uh, we will talk soon again, everyone. Like, subscribe. I don't even know if you can like. I guess you could go on our YouTube page. You can like our stuff there. But on the podcast app, whether it's Spotify or Apple, subscribe. Leave us a comment. Tell us if you enjoy the show. And if you don't, just shut the hell up and leave it to yourself. Until next time, Houdini. I'm Chuck Walter. Good stuff. <laughs>